Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Our sermon text for our meditation this morning is recorded for us in the Gospel of St. Luke, the 10th chapter, beginning at the 38th verse. And I'll read that text for you once again. As they went on their way, Jesus came into a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who was sitting at the Lord's feet and was listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her serving. She came over and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. The Lord answered and told her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is needed. In fact, Mary has chosen that better part, which will not be taken away from her. Lord, these are your words, and therefore they are your truth. We ask that you'd increase our faith through them. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, have you ever wondered why our Synod's College has been named Bethany? After all, it's a Lutheran college, and don't we esteem the beloved Dr. Martin Luther? Wouldn't it have been better for us to name it Dr. Martin Luther College, maybe similar to our brothers and sisters in the wells 30 miles down the road? Why did we choose the name Bethany for our college? Well, it's good to note that Bethany Lutheran College began as Bethany Ladies College back in 1911. It was a junior college specifically for Christian women. And the founders liked the picture that we see in our text for today, the picture of these two women. In fact, they wanted these Christian women that entered that institution to strive to be like both Mary and Martha, to desire to learn to serve the Lord with their lives like Martha, but also, more importantly, like Mary, sit at the Savior's feet. And so when our church body, the ELS, took over the college in 1927 and even turned it into a college for both men and women, they kept the name. They turned it into Bethany Lutheran College. They maintained that motto as well. If you remember Bethany's seal, on that seal there are three Greek words, enos, esten, krea. They're the words in our text for today. One thing needful or one thing is needed. That one thing, of course, is especially what Mary knew, God's Word. God's Word was what was most important of all. Well, this morning, we take up the theme, one thing is needed, as we consider how Mary thought she, or Martha thought she knew what that thing was and how Mary knew the one thing need, needed. Certainly must have been a busy day at the home of Mary and Martha that day in Bethany. Right? Jesus was coming. Jesus, who was certainly very famous in the area, certainly a, a special guest that was coming to their home. But more than just someone famous, Jesus was their Savior. He was the Savior of Mary and Martha, the Savior that they themselves knew and trusted in. Imagine for yourself, what if Jesus came to your house? I think a lot of us would probably be like Martha, right? Probably running around, making sure everything is perfectly clean, making sure everyone had drinks and food and every need was provided for for anyone that was there because we wanted to leave a good impression on our Savior, right? That's what we see of Martha, don't we? She desires to serve her Lord. She desires to make a good impression on Him. But all the while, she, out of the corner of her eye, is noticing her sister. Her sister Mary there 
who's sitting at Jesus' feet simply listening to him. Martha's getting frustrated. She's getting frustrated that she's doing all of the work. Have you ever been there? Maybe at work or in the home with uh, fellow employees or maybe with your spouse and kids. I can imagine maybe a wife that's cooking a meal or maybe taking care of the dishes after the meal, all while her husband and children are sitting in the living room lazily watching TV. Maybe the wife is thinking, don't they see everything that I'm doing here? Everything to work hard and to serve, why don't they help? Martha had that sort of mentality in our lesson for today. She grows in frustration over her sister Mary. Why isn't she helping? There's so much that needs to be done. Eventually that frustration boils over and she speaks, but interestingly enough, not to Mary, but to Jesus, to try to get him to convince her to help. So we hear in our lesson for today, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Translation, Jesus, don't you care that Mary's just sitting there doing nothing? Get her to do something. Get her to help me. Note what takes place as we see in Martha's remark. Satan had tricked Martha, hadn't he? He had tricked Martha to think, that what she was doing was what was most important, what was most needed in that moment. I'm guessing on many other occasions, Martha would have been right there alongside Mary listening to Jesus, but this day was different, right? There were so many things that had to be done, so many ways that she wanted to serve her Savior, so much to do, so much to accomplish. Who could really falter? Wasn't everything she doing right and good to serve Jesus with her life? Note what Jesus says as he corrects her. He points ultimately to Mary and he says, Mary has it right. What Martha needed and should have been doing in that moment was what Mary was doing. She should have taken her cues from her sister rather than the other way around. What she needed most was to hear her Savior's words. Have you ever done this yourself? Maybe thought your work or your serving is what is most important of all. Think of how busy our lives get in service to God as we desire to carry out our roles as employees, as our roles as parents and children. There's so much that has to be accomplished, so much that has to be done, and we're serving the Lord, right, as we're doing those things. I think of even for myself as a pastor, or maybe especially for myself as a pastor, as I look at the long list of things that I have to do, certain days. And I say, well, every one of them, I'm serving the Lord by doing every one of these things. And so what's the first thing to go? Do I really have time to spend 15 or 30 minutes to study God's Word in, in personal devotion and in prayer? Do I really have time for that? Because I have this long list of things that have to be done. I think for us too, isn't that the way it goes? There's so much that we have to accomplish with our work, with our family life? Doesn't God want me to be a good parent or a good spouse or a good employee? Is there really enough time to take for personal devotion, family devotion, or even coming to church? That can easily get squeezed out because we can make service to God our number one priority. Thanks be to God that in our lesson today, 
Uh, Jesus didn't allow Martha to be tricked by Satan, and nor does he allow us to be tricked by Satan. To think that service to him is the most important thing. Now, it's kind of interesting to, to think about in that temptation of Satan for her. He doesn't tempt her into some crass sin, right? In, into greediness or into promiscuity or drunkenness or something like that. He tempts Martha with something good, right? Service to God. He tempts her with that, thinking like that is most important for her. But Jesus directs her attention and he directs our attention to what is the one thing needed. One thing needed is ultimately listening to him and to his word. For it's in his word that we hear what he has done for us. In his word, we hear about how he himself has perfectly kept the law, perfectly kept the third commandment to keep the day of rest holy, to not despise preaching in his word. It's in his word that we see Jesus at 12 years old going to the temple in perfect obedience to that commandment. It's in God's word that we see Jesus in perfect obedience to that same command, going to the synagogue week in and week out to hear God's word. Especially it's in that same word that we hear also of his forgiveness that he won for us on the cross. In Mark chapter 14, Jesus says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. It's important for us to remember the big reason that Jesus came to this world was not to be served by us, not to be served by Martha or any other Christian. But the most important reason he came to this world was to serve and to serve by giving his life as a ransom for many. So therefore, what is most important for us is not our service to God, but it's rather his service to us. And it's no mistake that God the Holy Spirit designed really this text to come after the story of the Good Samaritan that we heard last week as our gospel lesson. We think about that story. We think about how it unfolds. It begins with an expert in the law coming to Jesus and he says, What must I do to inherit eternal life? What are the ways that I must serve God to earn heaven? And how does Jesus respond? He says, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And the man rattles off a correct answer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. How does Jesus respond? Do this and you will live. Love God perfectly. Love your neighbor perfectly and you will live. If you can perfectly serve God, you will live. You will have eternal life. What's the problem? None of us can, can we? In fact, as as much as we want to and as much as we strive to serve God perfectly, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, if we're honest, we fail. We fail. We, We want to do that, but we don't do it the way that God demands. We fail at it every day. We fail to also love our neighbor as ourselves. Yes, we want to strive for that, But we don't do it. And so the result is that we can't have eternal life by our service to God. And that's what Jesus wanted to show that expert in the law who came to him. He couldn't do it by himself. He wanted to break the man. He wanted to show him that the way to heaven wasn't through the law, 
but only through Him. And that's especially why we need God's Word. We need God's Word to tell us not especially what we need to do for God, but what He has done for us. You know, in that story of the Good Samaritan, we certainly want to think to ourselves, well, I would have been the Good Samaritan. Certainly wouldn't have been the the Levite or the priest that walk by on the other side. I wouldn't have worried about my security. I wouldn't have worried about thieves hiding behind the corner. I would have gone out of my way to help a man who was dying on the side of the road, even if his people hated my people. I would have put him on my animal. I would have spent so much money to put him up in a hotel or bring him to a hospital. And I would have promised to pay for all of his care. Yeah, right. Would we have done that really perfectly the way Jesus laid out? No. No. But Jesus has done that for us, hasn't he? Jesus has sacrificed everything for us. He's even risked his life, even given his life to bind up our wounds. He has paid the greatest price for us, far more than a few days at an inn. He's paid his own lifeblood for you and for me. It's he who wants to continue to serve us. You know, it's interesting in the Lutheran denomination, we often refer to what we do on Sunday, not simply as worship. Sometimes we refer to it as that. But more importantly, we often refer to it as the service or the divine service. Have you ever wondered why we use that term? Why don't we just call it worship all the time? Well, the big reason we call it the divine service is it's a reminder of what takes place at church. Not simply our service to God that we're offering our prayers and our offerings and our praise to him, but especially it's the divine service. It's God's service to us that he serves us through his word and through his sacraments. It's through that that we are truly refreshed in it. We are reminded of the forgiveness that is ours in Christ and we are brought peace in the knowledge of all of that. What if all of that was taken away though? What if you didn't have an opportunity to study God's word in your home? What if you didn't have an opportunity to gather together with fellow believers on a regular basis? Think of how much would be missing. If you'd be missing that that opportunity to again be strengthened in your faith and to be refreshed with hearing the good news of what Jesus has done for you. That's the case, sadly, for many Christians throughout the world that suffer under persecution or many Christians that don't have Bibles in their own homes because it's not translated or available enough in their own languages. But God has given these things to you. And so he encourages you, use them, put them to use. This is most important. When we think of our jobs and we think of school and things like that, how often do you skip work? How often do you skip school? Maybe when we're sick every once in a while. But it's a priority, right? We go to those things. We don't just get up one day and say, "Ah, I don't need to go to work today. I don't need to go to school today. No, it's a priority, right? So I have that attitude when it comes to going to church or when it comes to studying God's word. Instead, God invites us. Use it. Put it to use. Use my word in your homes. Come to church. Make that the number one priority because it's through that word. We are refreshed and forgiven. We know that we have an inheritance forever because of Christ and what he has done for us. Bethany Lutheran College has 
continued to use that name Bethany, that picture of that twofold purpose of training Christians to live lives of service to God like Martha, but more importantly, to train Christian young people to treasure the one thing needed, God's Word. At Bethany Lutheran College continued to use that model and motto and focus on it, the one thing needed or one thing needful. May we do the same in our own lives. Certainly it is good for us to desire to serve God with our lives. Let us not rearrange our priorities though, but instead recognize what is most important, what is most needed. Time in God's Word, through which He refreshes us, forgives our sins, and assures us of eternal life. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore.